This episode of the Coin Spice Podcast is brought to you by Cash Shuffle. Because what you do with your money is your business. To give this new product a try for fungibility and privacy, head on over to electroncash.org, download their latest wallet 4.0.0, and give it a spin. Cashshuffle.com for more information. Because what you do with your money is your business. is really going on crypto savages you are listening to the coin spice podcast with host c edward kelso editor-in-chief at coinspice.io your home for spicy crypto things on the net what is really going on crypto savages this is your host c edward kelso editor-in-chief out at coinspice.io back with another episode of the coin spice podcast and this time around i've got coindesk analyst peter ryan Uh, Peter's a fantastic voice in the space, a really interesting guy in the sense that he talks with numbers and charts and graphs. I do like Coindesk. I'm a reader. Uh, I'm an avid reader. Um, But a lot of the news I can kind of get elsewhere, and obviously they're a competitor, so we break stories, they break stories. Uh, it's, It's a fantastic resource. But what keeps me going back to Coindesk is their research, is their analytics, and how they chart things. And I really think Peter Ryan and the team over at Coindesk doing um, different ways of charting, more holistic ways of looking at cryptocurrencies has really not only allowed me as an investor, as an enthusiast, as someone in the space uh, to become more literate, but also more appreciative of, of kind of the different roles that different cryptos have in the space. It's not just, you know, obviously, you know, we at CoinSpice have a bias towards the currency aspect of things, but then there are other people who want, you know, blockchain this and web 3.0 that and you know, you know all the debates. Peter Ryan and CoinDesk have sort of ferreted out through the data a way to analyze value and they go beyond the the uh, coin market caps of the world. Uh, they just kind of give you sort of flat. Now, obviously, coin market cap is doing a little bit more, but they're just giving you sort of market capitalization. There's lots of debate about whether that's even valuable or relevant. And now, of course, with people questioning volume, whether it's even legit or not. So there's, but anyway, when you go to CoinDesk and you you search out Peter Ryan's metrics and his charts, you find a completely different story. So I wanted to get him on uh, to the podcast. Um, have him explain to you his methodologies and how he comes about some of these really cool metrics. Uh, he's he's been uh, one of the leaders in the on-off ratio, uh, for example. Uh, but also because he's got and he's executive producer for a new documentary. It's called Rizki Presents Blockchain. It's a six-part series. Uh, it's going to be on Amazon Prime. Uh, it's produced uh, uh, from the people at CoinDesk and a few other partners. And it's it's a it's a fantastic resource, uh, really great way for new people to get involved, kind of understand crypto and blockchain and all that's going on from mining to the currency side to law. It's just it's it's unbelievable, and that is going to be released very very soon, and probably by the time you listen to the podcast, it, it'll already be out there. So check the show notes. Uh, but he also explains kind of how that came together, who Rizki is, and why blockchain and, and why they're doing this now. Um, 
it's it's one of my favorite episodes that I've that I've ever recorded. Um, you are going to learn a lot from Peter. So without any further ado, here is CoinDesk analyst Peter Ryan. This is a long time coming. Uh, I am I am a fan. Uh, I of course uh, enjoy CoinDesk. It is uh, arguably the leader in the space for cryptocurrency news um, and your metrics and and the kind of how you you chart things are it's it's it it's certainly what has kept me uh with coindesk before i get into all of that um first off man thanks for thanks for coming on yeah it's great to be here i'm i'm a big coin spice fan i'm a listener of the podcast so it's it's great to be on ah too kind very cool so uh before we get into your work and uh you've got a documentary coming out all sorts of exciting things are happening in the world that is peter ryan um, give us uh, our listeners, in case they're unfamiliar, uh, a little bit about your background, like how you got into crypto and, and, and all that good stuff. Sure. So for all those listeners out there, I'm a research analyst with Coindesk, but, um, well, that's my current position. I found crypto, uh, back in 2013, 2014, right in that area when I was just, uh, dumb college kid that was looking for the next big thing to uh, chart my course. And I was in the libertarian circles. I was big on Milton Friedman, then going to Mises, Hayek, Rothbard, all this stuff. And I was playing around in all those groups, talking to a lot of folks. And I happened to be in my college libertarian uh, club. And I was starting to come to the conclusion that you know, all this political action, trying to get libertarians in office wasn't really the most effective path forward and really found the emerging tech scenes and, you know, disruptive energy coming out of uh, companies like in Silicon Valley or wherever else as the, you know, the real solution that meets uh, a lot of the end goals of libertarianism. And then it just so happened that somebody came in one day to that libertarian club and said, Hey, we're taking interns at this thing called the Bitcoin center. And, uh, oh, wow. yeah, I, di- I didn't know too much. I've heard like everybody around that time that to a certain degree, you know, you hear about Bitcoin and you kind of turn away and then you come back to it. But it seemed like a great opportunity of people wanting to kind of, merge those two disciplines of uh, that tech energy and the libertarianism. And so I I went down that rabbit hole. I I got over to the Bitcoin Center, which was located down in the financial district of New York City. It was like a stone throw away from the New York Stock Exchange. Right. Um, You know, all all the big bankers, all the people that... uh, you you know people would have a problem with uh, in terms of uh, how they're conducting themselves with monetary policy and benefiting right. from it so um got down there and and got introduced to um you know my first real like 101 lecture the first day on what is bitcoin what is crypto you know what is the future of this and uh since that moment i i've been hooked and i was really excited uh trying to figure out ways that i could help out and then uh yeah, I was definitely was was never the same after that. And then as I emerged from college, I tried to, you know, find my way in the professional um, realm. I then drip. I 
explored tech, I explored venture capital, and then made my way back over to cryptocurrency uh, independently. And then joining about a year and a half ago with Coindesk to uh, lead a lot of their efforts in developing uh, their research capabilities, uh, their data analysis, and some cool products. Yeah, and Coindesk is uh, is a juggernaut, man. Like it is, uh, I, I, you know, I mean, there's you've got your Coin Telegraphs, you have your your Bitcoin.com news, you have your Coindesk. Um, there's a maybe a handful of others that sort of compete, but I think when when you not you in particular, but when the average uh, enthusiast goes to look for news, uh, crypto wise. Um, and I and I dare say, like mainstream institutional. I'm talking governors. I'm talking, you know, um, uh, financial um, bigwigs. They, I think, they definitely go to CoinDesk. So um, that was a, a great move on your part. And you've only added to um, their their uh, their offerings here. So you you sort of slide in under the the metric side, as we kind of alluded to in the beginning here. Um, as a research analyst, and you've come up with some with some pretty interesting um, ways to kind of follow the space. And one of them is this: it's hard to describe in a, in a in a verbal sense, but I've never seen anything like it. It's it's kind of like a, a radar chart that almost looks like a spider web. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of different names people have come up with it. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, spider web is actually the first one uh, time I've heard someone use that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a cool way. We call it the Crypto Economics Explorer. Um, it's a five sided radar chart where uh, we look at price, we look at network activity, we look at exchange activity, social activity, and developer activity, and uh, we use those five broad categories to basically map out how all these different cryptocurrencies compare to one another in those five distinct areas. And each of those categories have underlying submetrics that are being calculated in terms of, let's say, you know, what is network activity? Network activity is on-chain transaction volume, transaction count, uh, and a few right. other metrics. When you look at exchange activity, that's you know, exchange volume, but that's also you know, how many trade pairs does a given coin have on exchanges? And so we really tried to find, you know, what are ways that we just don't look at maybe one or two or high level metrics. And, and a lot of the impetus was sort of thinking about, well, market cap is obviously flawed in a lot of circumstances. And so, you know, while not throwing the baby out with the bathwater totally with market cap, but how do we really add to the whole picture and give people exposure to okay maybe a coin isn't that high in price but you know does it have underlying things in the uh, developer category that shows you know there's a lot of work being done there or their underlying metric showing there's a really engaged and strong uh, social community that's associated with it i'm watching um i'm watching a lot of people gravitate away from um the coin market caps uh, the CMCs of the world, um, as more reports come out about um, volume and it being kind of a, a, not a phony metric, but I'm not sure how to phrase it um, objectively, but something less than valuable. And more people are starting to turn to this this holistic approach, this this kind of broader look at coins and projects 
the personalities behind them uh, beyond price. And there was a, a cliche for a while until uh, the market took a gigantic crap. Well, you know, price is the least in interesting part of a cryptocurrency. Well, we learned the hard way that maybe that's not true. But on the other side of that, having metrics like yours, your, your charts, I mean, you must be in seventh heaven as, as someone who's actually interested in the subject uh, beyond just a, a salon or an academic side. I mean, you, you do get some real insight in, into these projects, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And one of the things that I, I think we all know is that, you know, the, these cryptocurrencies are not the same, but after really building this product out and exploring all these different metrics and how they relate to one another, uh, the a big takeaway is that some of these metrics might not need to be the same for each of them. So let's just look at, let's say, uh, you know, EOS versus Bitcoin. Right. You know, Bitcoin BTC has been going down this route of their store value. We don't want people to actually like use this uh, in commerce for goods and services that much at this time period. Uh, and so naturally, if that is the use case, if that's the uh, the swirl of discussion that's going on, you, you'd probably see a downtick it, or at least a stagnation in transaction counts or engagement in other ways. Now, when you look at EOS, and that's a relatively new blockchain that came on board, um, you know, they don't have transaction fees. And so then you start looking at that as, well, even if you have a small fee, having no fees is going to be an obvious incentive to start just doing lots and lots of transactions. And so lo and behold, we actually look at the numbers and we see over time, you know, EOS has just taken off in terms of doing more and more transaction counts above BTC. Uh, and that actually might not be an indicator that one is better than the other, but just that, you know, that is serving a different use case similar right. to they're, they're both cryptos, uh, loosely speaking or cryptocurrencies. And even that gets into some hot water, but they're, they're loosely lumped together as cryptocurrencies. They're thrown on CMC and we watch the price, you know, basically as, you know, with, with rare exception as BTC goes, Bitcoin Core goes, so does the rest of the market. So, uh, you know, intuitively we begin to think, well, they're all the same thing, doing the same thing, maybe slight variations on a theme. But as you pointed out, they're, they're very, very different. Exactly. And so that's, that's the, you know, the grain of salt we need to think about when we're looking at these cryptocurrencies and, and, you know, not just saying, you know, oh, well, we map, we put everything in one final score, one final number, and that's the end all be all. And if, you know, your cryptocurrency is below, you know, that of another, you're obviously, uh, dare I say it, a shitcoin. But I think that's really the wrong way to look at it. And, and, and that's why also we took the emphasis on not creating, a, you know, one uh, final score that all these calculate Jeez. into. I, I, yeah, I think that that would be going too far. And, and, you know, there's been other uh, people out there that let's say have tried to do something like that. And I won't call out specific players, but I got you. I think there's obvious, uh, yeah, there's obvious problems that can arise with that sort of thing. And, and I, I think just to, just to, you know, belabor it a, a tad more, I think it really is 20th century thinking. It comes out of the old school financial idea of, 
say bond ratings, you know, uh, um, which are, you know, worthless. I mean, they're just, they're completely ridiculous. Uh, these grades and these other um, fanciful ways in which they've, they've, they've tried to, um, you know, suss out value beyond the, the price um, and tried to narrow it down into one thing, an A or a triple A or whatever, you know, the, 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 uh, the metric of the day is, they just don't tell enough of the story. And so I like that Coindesk has separated out and really brought in what I would again consider or characterize as kind of 21st century thinking where, okay, let's look at it now. Let's, let's, let's try to remove as much of our bias as possible from the, and let the numbers dance, kind of let that, let the numbers tell us the story rather than, you know, as, as, you know, as much as humanly possible, uh, divorcing ourselves from, you know, oh, that's an A and that's a B and that's a whatever. I mean, it, it, it does take a bit of, of thinking. What, what, is, what has been the reaction to um, the, the Coindesk uh, uh, push to kind of do more in terms of, of metrics? Yeah, well, I'll say this. The reaction from the community, especially when we first released it back in November, uh, I'll, I'll say that there definitely was a reaction. And I think, let alone whether that was positive or negative, uh, the fact that it was causing discussion, I, I, that, I valued that. I thought you, that, that you, was you shook people. In and of itself. You, you, you shook them up. Yes, yes. And we got people talking about this. And, um, and, you know, a lot of people saw this way of measuring and putting cryptocurrencies in comparison uh, and contrasting positions to one another for the first time that day we launched, uh, where, you know, I, I and the rest of the team that were working on this, you know, have been formulating this and looking into the research of how to do this for um, quite a while. And so people then were discovering like, oh, well, there's certain ways that you can't exactly, you know, add, you know, the, your preferential metric to boost your coin over another because then that creates all sorts of bias and, or just inaccurate results. So like, for example, um, while hash rate is an obvious, obvious um, thing that's important and that sheds a lot of light on the um, activity going on with a particular cryptocurrency, um, you know, if you're in the business of trying to compare multiple cryptocurrencies, you know, what happens when you get to cryptocurrencies that don't really rely on proof of work, that really, you know, start to move towards the proof of stake model right. or, you know, develop ASIC resistance and all this type of stuff. And so then you start to realize, well, again, you're not telling the full story if, you, let's say, you're just using hash rate or you're using minor revenue per day to formulate sort of an index, a, a, an aggregate value, because you're missing out that there's coins that not only have these different use cases, but again, you know, they have different underlying um, ways that they incentivize security, incentivize uh, the throughput through the chain. And this is sort of uh, just to get, because I know we have a, a mutual love of, of Austrian school of, uh, of economics. This is kind of the, the Mangerian sort of look uh, applied, ironically enough, <laughs> to charts and metrics, uh, which the Austrian school is notoriously uh, uh, not fond of. But this idea that, you know, I don't want to say chain agnosticism, but I, I, there's, there's something to that idea, right? That you have to kind of look at all these projects and go, well, 
I may not personally find value in. This is not, this is not what I am interested in, but maybe someone else does and maybe they need to know more about what their project or the project they favor is, is doing. So um, like a thousand flowers blooming type of idea, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, information is our friend, more sunlight uh, is the best disinfectant, all of the cliches right. under the book. Um, you know, th this is, this is what I think is helpful regardless of any ideological concerns. I just think bringing the, this information, which is, um, objective, you know, we can go to the sources, we can, everyone can monitor it, recreate uh, the same numbers on their own and, and come to these conclusions. And, and, you know, and, and thinking of like an Austrian perspective on it too, it's like, you know, this is a private entity putting out, you know, ways to measure and, and aggregate value, which, uh, you know, measuring an aggregate obviously has problems um, from that view. But as long as we are the private entity taking the risk and, and going to the marketplace and competing in the realm of, uh, you know, competition for objective metrics on measuring blockchains. Uh, I think that squares the circle so that, you know, we, we're, we are providing value. We aren't just being, um, you know, silly Paul Krugman's running around with our fancy statistical models that, you know, right. are, are embedded with tons of assumptions that, you know, don't accurately model the world. And for my money, I, I really, I mean, there, I'm not going to name the competition, but for my money, I really don't think anybody can touch you guys right now. So when I go and I look at charts or, or, or whatever else, and I, I want to get a better sense of a project, I mean, I, I just, maybe it's because I know your work so well, but I just sort of default to the, to the Coindesk um, uh, site. So in any case, I, I think that's a great lead into what I'm super excited about and, and at least half of the reason why I wanted you on is that you are now taking your, your eggheadedness, your number crunching, your, your bean counterness, and you're, you're moving it into the real world. You're, you're, you're becoming, you know, not only someone who doc, uh, I should say, um, describes the site, but now you're, uh, I'm going to try that again. You're becoming someone who not only um, describes the space, you're also now, you're, you're documenting it. And you're coming up with a uh, a documentary, a six-parter. Um, how did? Well, first off, can you kind of describe uh, what what the project is? Sure, sure. So, I'm the executive producer of Risky Presents Blockchain, and we are releasing a six-episode documentary series on Amazon Prime April first. And the series is about. Um, an international hip-hop dance artist who is Risky Rockmont, our host, and he dives deep into the world of blockchain technology to see how it's re revolutionizing finance, cybersecurity, democracy, and more. And it really looks to um, introduce maybe some more normal people uh, that want some explanation of you know, what is this technology? Who are some people in the space that are working on projects that can break things down? Um, but also not just for the uneducated, but for the hardcore as well, that might know a little bit of these topics already. It's maybe a chance for them to hear from 
a different perspective or other voices of the interview subjects that we have in the space that are really working on cool projects. Yeah, I, I was, uh, you know, when, when I, because I'm a, a media mogul, I was sent the, uh, the early uh, clips and, and uh, uh, drafts of the, of the documentary. And I was thinking, oh man, here we go. Another friggin' Eric Voorhees uh, vehicle or, or something. Like, and I, I love him, by the way. But like, you know, <laughs> we, over retreaded ideas of, you know, we've seen a million times. It's not that. Uh, right away, you're kind of smacked in the head with, with Rizky. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's a different cat, right? So he's, he's this dude that just kind of explodes onto the, onto the screen. And as you say, you, you kind of like, you know, walked right over that part. And I wanted to stop you, but it was like, he, he's not just a, you know, he's, he's actually a, a data analysis. He, he works on or works in DC to kind of explain to politicians what's going on. But he's <laughs> at night, he's a hip hop dancer, right? Yeah, so that's exactly why we thought he was the perfect host uh, for a series like this, because he is bridging two worlds in his personal life. Uh, you know, being a data visualizer that is, you know, breaking down things into easily digestible ways for people on Capitol Hill to like better understand uh, complex subjects. But then at night, he's going off and, uh, you know, he's this expert. Uh, like break dancer and you know he's he's has this creative side but also this technical side and um, you know besides from that he was just also very uh, hip on all these ideas of you know crypto libertarianism you know hit he comes from a background of George Mason University so you you know they're very affiliated with free market economics and right and how Bitcoin and crypto all fit into that Mercatus Center, um, all that type of stuff. So um, we thought that he was just such of a great intersection as a personality uh, with all these different vectors going through that he was he was a very good voice to lead the interviews, to bring people in. Um, and also that, you know, he's not someone that is well known in the space currently. Exactly. So maybe exactly. he's a better yeah, he's a better companion for the viewer as they go through um, the series and they meet some of those other people that are a little bit more well-known in the space. And that's that's harder than people think to do um, Risky's job in the sense that um, he's naturally charismatic and he's affable and, and, and you definitely want to talk to the guy, but it's it's harder to do, to be for the for the for the for the intended audience sort of the, the newer comer to blockchain and crypto it's it's harder to bridge to kind of be that liaison because most of us you know we're 10 years on now and all this stuff is kind of assumed and so risky who obviously knows that just as well as i do he is is a very nice spoil he asks all the right questions he kind of follows the the interviewee uh where they want to go and then all of a sudden the video or the, the little vignettes, again, there there's six different parts here, uh, will cut off or, or, or edit into him kind of standing by these, these moving graphics and he tries to sort of even break these, these biteable chunks even further down. And so um, it, definitely, it definitely is a, it, it, it for sure grabbed my attention right away. And you cover, 
I, I think you covered the entire space, but can you kind of give some of the subjects that sort of the macro subjects that, that you're focusing on in, in those six? Hey, Crypto Savages, this is C. Edward Kelso breaking in with a quick and very shameless plug. Coinspice.io is a feisty pirate ship. We depend, rely on almost entirely organic growth, which means our audience really does the marketing for us. And there's nothing more powerful than word of mouth. If you read an article you like on Coinspice.io, if you listen to a podcast and you enjoy the content, or if you're just pissed, please <laughs> promote us on social media, wherever you're at, wherever that is, whether it's Reddit, whether it's uh, YouTube, uh, the Telegram, uh, you know, you name it, the Twitter, like us, retweet, all that great stuff. You can always find detailed show notes for every podcast on the corresponding page at coinspice.io. There you'll find links to our respective podcast, your favorite platform like iTunes. Please give us a, a, a rating. Please give us a subscribe. You know all that good stuff. It helps the pirate ship remain afloat. It keeps us going. We appreciate it. As always, you can contact me personally if you have questions, concerns, you want to hear from a particular guest, you have a news tip at Kelso, K-E-L-S as in Sam O, at Coinspice.io. Thanks again for listening. We sure do appreciate it. And back to the episode. Sure. So this was a process of you know constant brainstorming to figure out, well, what is the best way to capture you know, everything that someone needs to download to their brain to like effectively get into crypto from the start. And, you know, obviously there's the blockchain 101 areas we need to go over, but you know, once you get past that, what else is there? Very so, cool getting you know, into a mining facility, by the way, that was very, very cool. Oh yeah, exactly. That was like our kid in the candy shop moment where, um, you know, everything worked out. Um, uh, the company that we picked, and th that's actually episode one, uh, we went to Hyperblock, which is one of the largest crypto mining farms, uh, you know, in, if not the world, definitely in the Northern Americas. And uh, we checked it out. We went to Montana, snowy, you know, mountains. Um, did did you actually go? You actually went? went? I myself didn't go because I'm a responsible producer and dedicated that budget to um, the <laughs> film crew. Sure. Uh, sure. But vicariously, we, I felt like I was there from every Snapchat that I received. Oh, but the point but, uh, is, yeah. Risky goes there and he kicks the tires, right? I mean, he actually goes physically to Montana and walks around. Miners just get no love, right? They're uh, almost like devs in the sense that they kind of sit behind the scenes and we just kind of allude to them in passing uh we always just kind of talk oh yeah and there's mine da, 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 da. We can da, 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 da. but here you it, what this is a great part of the documentary and and one of the reasons many that it's it's really valuable is that he actually physically goes inside uh one of these uh one of these compounds exactly and you know he walks in and you know he even says you know it feels like i'm inside of a computer right now and uh you know that's that's the experience that i think we want to get across uh especially to the newcomer that you know this this is the physical reality that is bitcoin because so much of it is just 
you know, where is it? You know, it's this magic internet meme money. It's, exactly. you know, it doesn't, it's not never tangible. And then you walk into a place that's like just, um, you know, bustling with computer chips and, you know, electricity flowing through it. And it's just huge. And it's, you know, these tall shelves and, and everything. And you really get this sense of like, wow, this is actually the tangible reality of Bitcoin. This is what is going on here. This is something you can touch, you can feel, and you get that visceral feeling. And the 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 remainder from from what I remember now is uh, the other five episodes are are somewhat uh, New York City centric, uh, which makes a lot of sense. We we started uh, talking about your experience with um, uh, the 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 Bitcoin Center, um, New York City is arguably the financial capital of the world. And so as it goes, you can make a lot of arguments that so goes crypto. And you, so let's see, what, what was episode two focused on? The, the, the second one? So we, we get into sure, mining. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so we did, so it's really mining and some Bitcoin 101 that goes on in episode one. Then we move on to these other subjects that are a little bit more, uh, branching out. And so then we talk about, you know, blockchain as the internet. We sit down with uh, the head guys over at Blockstack who are, you know, that trying to make a decentralized yeah. internet. And and that will just to interrupt you, which I have a, a really horrible habit of doing with all my guests. Um, I, I really like that because at, at first it's, it's kind of just an intellectual discussion and then Risky actually breaks out his phone and, and actually gets an account, right? Yeah, and we kind of walk through a demo of like, you know, how you would use one of their applications. And, you know, in particular, they're talking about, you know, how you create these decentralized identities that can traverse these, this blockchain internet, regardless of any, you know, centralized server where, you know, we have all these variety of identities that are, that are in the internet and how great would it be if we could just have something that we own that is decentralized um, to the individual and the individual can walk around keeping um, their identity and all the data associated with it and merely uh, create permissions to go to the application layer to actually um, utilize that. And so that's what they're walking through in that demo and, and they're trying to hit home of getting to the point where, yeah, Bitcoin is money, crypto is money. That's the killer app. That was the first uh, breakthrough that we really did back in the early years. But as we kept going, you know, other use cases started to pop up. And, you know, what they're doing over there uh, is definitely something that is going beyond money and, and seeing other value to be created. Yeah, it was fascinating because I, I, I've intellectually, you know, you read about it and so on. I've never actually seen it in the, in the flesh and, and someone sitting down to do this. That, that was very, very helpful. Uh, where at, so you go on from there uh, to the remaining four episodes. Uh, you touch on the legal side of sort of the ramifications for blockchain and crypto. And is, is, that, is that episode three? Yeah, so that is episode five. Actually, five. But yeah, we can, we can we don't have to go in order. We can uh, you know we're doing our own thing here. We can be a little oh. wild. Uh, yeah, so episode five, we sit down with uh, Republic's legal expert 
Max Rich. And, you know, Republic is a startup in the space that is trying to bring, um, you know, a security crowd investment platform, um, you know, to the industry so that, you know, people are complying with the existing laws on the books, some of which in the more recent uh, time period have been a little bit more accommodating to this crowd investment so that people that are not accredited investors can jump in. And so they're really trying to be the first ones to uh, get in there as the uh, facilitator of people getting in on these token raises and doing it by the book. So um, yeah, and that's what we explore with Max Rich. He, he kind of discusses what they're doing and how they're trying to comply and, and you know, showing how there's certain things going on in regulation that, you know, obviously we can say are bad, but th there's ways that we have to work with the system and we have to be practical and we basically need to, um, you know, kind of color in the lines for now and just, just make sure that we give enough nurturing sunlight waters for this industry to grow uh, without having the regulators come in all uneducated and, and stamp us out. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's, you know, when you go into it, you think this is decidedly unsexy uh, in terms of the, the conversation and no one obviously wants to hear from uh, a legal analyst, <laughs> but it actually turns out into a, turns into rather a, a pretty great conversation. And I, you know, I, I know sort of the broader debate on uh, uh, legalisms and, and, you know, trying to, you know, square that circle, but I, I think the value there is, um, and I, I'm forgetting the gentleman's name, uh, Max Rich, is that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, Max goes and he, <clears throat> he actually lays out the history of the technology. And uh, I learned a, a couple of things by listening to him that I didn't realize that a lot of what we think is sort of brand new uh, about this idea and using um, loosely this idea of the, the distributed ledger tech, uh, you know, goes back to like the 1980s. I found that really, really interesting. Yeah. And he, and to summarize all of the content that he was bringing up, you know, he was trying to convey that, you know, while this is novel and new in a lot of ways, you know, from a legal perspective, it's like, you know, a lot of this has been seen before. There have been, you know, new ways of doing things that have complied with existing regulatory frameworks. Um, and so he talked about how, you know, cryptography was going on back then. And, you know, it was really surrounding just data. And, you know, right. what are the ramifications of data? And only then became, uh, you know, apparent once money and, and transactions were occurring with this, you know, data meets cryptography meets uh, securitization. And that is best exemplified through, um, you know, the DAO where the SEC couldn't really do anything in terms of enforcement. Yeah. yeah, but, it, but they used it as an educational lesson to kind of tell the rest of the crypto industry, you know, this, you know, this doesn't really pass the mustard and, you know, there's a thing called the Howey test and there's some key points here. And if you, you know, if you fail the Howey test, then it's like, you know, you're a security and you can't kind of cloak yourself in the realm of ignorance or, uh, you know, miscategorization. And one of the other examples he brought up that I thought was pretty funny is he said, like, looks like orange trees, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, 
don't comply with not being investment contracts. It's like they right, are right. And because there was a case where people were buying orange trees back in the day. And, you know, even though it's like, oh, it's a tree, what does it matter? They were getting an investment contract implicitly that, you know, the farm would water and nurture and like grow the trees and they would get, you know, benefit back out from that in the future. And an and expectation of, of, of return. Exactly, exactly. And so that's where it starts getting illustrated way more that, you know, you don't need to explicitly have everything in writing and, you know, everything is defined, uh, you know, according to the rules, like you can be vague, you can be murky, you can be in a gray area. And as long as, you know, when someone takes a fine tooth comb, to go through it and they realize that it is an investment contract that is a security um you know that is uh you know that is the situation of the crypto industry and that everyone is starting to come to and that's probably why too there's a big drop off in sort of ico raising and people have been moving towards um you know the security token offering the sto um, because they want to comply more and, you know, that's just the way it is. And, uh, you know, and that says nothing to the idea of, uh, you know, there's two ways to look at it. It's like, one, you know, what is a utility token? What is a security token? And, you know, being honest with the objective reality of that. And number two, you know, some of us, myself, think that, hey, we shouldn't have such onerous security laws so that we have all this, uh, you know, overburdening regulation and red tape on entrepreneurs and investors, especially those earning under the thresholds uh, in income and net worth uh, to be an accredited investor, to get in private companies. It's amazing Um, to me how often that point is skipped over in all these debates and how people rush to condemn ICOs or STOs or IEOs or whatever we're now talking about. These investment opportunities and cryptocurrencies, uh, the idea of speculating on them, and it's, a, it's this dirty word, it's a kind of financial pornography, and everybody wants to down them. They skip over this idea that this, this prohibitive uh, do-goodery that came out of whether it was the Great Depression or you know, whatever the, the latest uh, historical uh, reframing of it is uh, to save us from ourselves, is that this... this perhaps unintended consequence, if I'm being generous, uh, really pushed out the smaller investors so that that, that that accredited guy or gal now has to be worth something like a million dollars, uh, has to you know, have all this credit. Um, and if, if you want to talk about you know, these, these cliches, uh, these bromides of the rich getting richer and the poor, well, that comes from your progressive legislation. I mean, what, what you're doing is you're, you're pushing on one side of this, uh, this balloon and you're blowing up this other side. So people will run to something like an ICO or, or these, these um, which, which I, I don't poo-poo at all. Um, I think the vast majority are scams, but there still are, there's, that doesn't mean there's not value there. And I think people are, are rushing to them and we forget, we forget the impetus or at least a, a strong, strong push is, is as you described a kind of odious or onerous um, regulatory uh, barriers to entry, these hurdles that prevent competition from your standard initial public offerings, or you know you you can't get in, so you, you don't have the cash, and the only way that maybe you as a person besides maybe owning a house 
if if the government pumps up that bubble enough as a regular person that you can get in on on making money through having money is now an ICO and it's you've been you've been blocked out of, of traditional finance so that was a fantastic and you you guys hit on that a couple of times actually uh, which was uh, I, I think uh, a brilliant um, uh, a brilliant take but anyway I'm talking too much let's let's get to the because I want to leave for people because there's there's th- at least three other episodes and I kind of want to leave it uh, to their imagination because they definitely are going to watch it but that my favorite of the six is the last one. And this is where you guys bring in uh, the philosopher du jour, um, Chris DeRose of Bitcoin Unlimited. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. Is it is uncensored? It, uncensored. I want. I've got Bitcoin. Which Unlimited is a perfect. On. Which is a perfect yeah. way to bring the philosophy all together. It really. It really is. Uh, he is. He's. Uh, he's quite a character. Um, why did you guys guys pick him? Yeah. So we were thinking a lot about, you know, the technical use cases or, um, you know, the practicality for a lot of the episodes. And then, um, you know, there was a real hunger that we started feeling in creating the show around, you know, there needs to be some time set aside for discussing, you know, what are the ethics? What, what is the impetus? What are, what are the goals that we're all trying to achieve that are outside of just sort of the immediate or individual, uh, you know, company, uh, you know, mandates and, and stuff like that. So we thought, Hey, people need to get acquainted with the philosophy here and they need to get acquainted with, um, you know, what are the foundational myths and, and, you know, motivations that are powering a lot, not only a lot of the big people in the space, but a lot of the people that are entering, and, and that are waiting in the wings and being quiet on the outside. So we thought blockchain as philosophy was like a great way to end the season. Uh, we brought in Krista Rose, who is the show host of Bitcoin Uncensored. It's a podcast that has been around for five years. And uh, he's had the position of being a journalist, a commentator, uh, pseudo-Socrates, as he likes to be uh, known in Twitter. And uh, he's, he's been always at the forefront of, you know, looking at are things scams are, you know, what, how do we define this industry? You know, why should we invest in this? What, what is the truth underlying a lot of the talking points and, uh, you know, interviewing people at length to kind of discover that and really get past the first you know, 10 minutes of bullshit so that he can get to the, to the end result with actual meaning. And so we thought, you know, he would be a really great um, personality and voice to uh, come in and articulate, you know, what has gone on in this industry? Who are the original crypto advocates that came into this and for what reasons? And, you know, how has that changed and who are some of the newer people and, you know, what does this all mean going forward? So we thought he was a great person to uh, articulate that. He, he really is. And uh, I think he was, uh, he was a, a fantastic choice. If you're a fan of DeRose or not a fan, this is Chris completely at his best. Um, he is uh, laser focused. Um, he gives you a nice background um, and Risky's there to kind of, um, facilitate that conversation. And then this hunk, dare I say, eye candy, enters in 
uh, named Peter Ryan. I'm slightly biased here. Uh, you actually uh, come in and uh, and chop it up with Chris. And uh, what what was that like? Yeah, well, you're actually referring to my stunt double. So, like, you know, kudos <laughs> to that guy. But um, so yeah, I make a cameo myself at the end. Uh, I come in and uh, yeah, I I. I wanted to join the conversation that Chris was having with Risky and uh, provide a little bit of perspective that, you know, what have I seen, especially with looking at a lot of this demographic and sentiment surveying that I've done of the industry for the past year and a half. Uh, and just also from my observations personally, being around these different circles and seeing it evolve. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to touch upon the ways people are you know, coming into blockchain now, there's the original libertarian anarcho-capitalist, uh, you know, early adopters of Bitcoin. And then slowly over time, we kind of saw this um, introduction of people that really maybe don't care so much about that. Maybe they're friendly to those ideas in a, in a way that a neoliberal is. Uh, but they're not exactly, you know, uh, you know, they're not repulsed by the state. They're not exactly, you know, chanting end the Fed, you know, all the time. Right, and right. so they really represent sort of a, a more milquetoast form of the original libertarian. And then even when we looked at, uh, you know, going past that, you had, you know, the introduction of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But then once we saw Ethereum really pop up, then you start to see an entire new, uh, doorway that people came through and that did not replicate the same types of demographics of Bitcoin, which was that, you know, Ethereum enabled smart contracts, a little bit more programming, um, you know, application developers, people from Silicon Valley, yeah. those molds started to come in and they weren't motivated exactly by the same things as, you know, the Bitcoin people. And so you started to see, you know, there were certain affiliations being formed with uh, Ethereum and, you know, larger established institutions, whether they be big banks or, you know, government organizations, the UN, you name it, you know, Davos, you know, things that were just, you would never have thought back in the early days that that would be, uh, that would be the case. And so you have these, this swirling mass of, of different, um, you know, interest groups in the crypto industry now. and they know each they know each other are different, but I think that we really haven't gotten to the point where we've addressed that uh, to a large degree. We've addressed the fact that there's different tribes of coins, but I don't think we've addressed the fact that there's different you know tribes of uh, you know ideologies that are here, and I think those will have to come into conflict uh, at some point. And uh, you know it's going to be really interesting to see uh, what side wins out. Yeah, and it, it is it is fascinating stuff. That it, it it's a perfect way to end your um your your season uh, with Risky and um, Node House and uh, the the documentary is uh, it really is it's it I think it's gonna kind of wipe away some libraries here and it's gonna be a go to um, uh, document for lack of a better phrase uh, that people will you know, refer to it's, it's a, it's a fantastic education. I, even someone uh, who's been uh, knee deep in the space for a while now 
Uh, I found it uh, really, really interesting, provoking. Um, it's nice. It's nicely paced. Uh, the 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 direction is is well thought out. Uh, the cinematography is good. Um, I liked uh, the sound, all of it. So I uh, can't say enough great things about it. Um, and so where can we find your work and, and, uh, and where can we find this, this documentary? Yeah. So a good place to keep tabs on everything I'm doing is just follow me on Twitter at underscore Peter Ryan. Uh, I do some pretty dank memes occasionally too. If you care about that type of stuff. And then if you <laughs> want to watch, uh, this documentary, please go to Amazon prime, please find us, uh, you know, type in risky presents blockchain. It's going to be under the name of Coindesk, the account that it's associated with. Uh, also keep tabs on YouTube and other social media. We'll be releasing clips from the season in case you want to just, you know, get a quick two minute bite of what's going on. Uh, so yeah, there's going to, there's going to be a few different places to see glimpses of it, but definitely please go to Amazon prime launching April 1st, see the whole six episodes. It's 110 minutes. You can get the best, uh, distilled version of, you know, what crypto is, what are some cool people in the space doing and, uh, some coherence to the philosophy that is powering this industry. It is, uh, it is a fantastic um, documentary. We'll have links to everything um, on the show notes um, here at, at CoinSpice so you guys can find it um, easily and quickly. Uh, Peter, man, it's been a long time coming. I said I would keep you for half an hour, and I've kept you for almost an hour now. Uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks well, so much for doing this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a pleasure. And if I'm able to say it at the end right now, uh, Everybody stay spicy. 